Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. My title today is Don't Forget Peter. Don't Forget Peter. The, the, this idea comes from Scripture, the book of Mark, chapter 16. We find that the woman disciples have gone to the tomb on Resurrection Sunday morning, and they find the tomb empty. The stone rolled away, and there is an angelic being there that is speaking to them. And, and, and I spoke about, you know, what the angels spoke last week, but I want to focus on what happens immediately after that. Verse 6, it says this, the angel said, Do not be alarmed, do not be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. In verse 7, the key verse today, now the angel says to the woman disciples, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, see Jesus, just as he told you. But go tell his disciples and Peter. As I was preparing for uh, for the resurrection sermon last week and reading and, and listening to the, the different narratives of, of the resurrection story, these two words jumped off the page, just jumped out at me because they seem to contain in these two words the whole gospel. See, why these words are significant is right before this, three days before, the last we saw of Peter... He was in the act of denying Jesus. Three times. He said, I don't even know the man. He cursed. He distanced himself. He denied his Savior. He denied his friend. In the hour when Jesus needed him most, he had nothing to do with Christ. And so there's been three days of silence. There's been three days of unsurety. Three days where Peter feels forgotten, lost. Could he ever come back? Judas thinks he's irredeemable. Peter is unsure. And so the first message that comes from the empty tomb, from the messenger, is go tell the disciples that he has risen and Peter. Because God knew That he was going to discount himself and disqualify himself. If the angel just said the disciples, Peter would have said, not me. But God says, I know even the lies that you're buying into. Here's the gospel. Go tell the disciples and Peter. Don't forget Peter. Turn to your neighbor and and say, don't forget Peter. If you know your neighbor's name, say, don't forget Peter. And put your neighbor's name there. If you don't know them, ask them. Okay, it's getting confusing. (laughs) Today I want to talk to you about God's specific personal graciousness towards his people. God includes those that would seek to exclude themselves. That's how good he is. In fact, even if you were to deny God Three times, God would still remember you, and he would still call you, and he would still seek you. Why? Because God 
does not forget you. He remembers his people. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that just like Peter, you come for us, God. God, we thank you for your eternal, extravagant forgiveness. But God, we thank you that you come after us when we need it the most, that you're so specific, so kind with your grace. And I pray today, even as I speak, will you speak and call your people by their name? God, we make room for you to come and speak. Realign us, correct us, and God, let forgiveness flow. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said. God includes those that would seek to exclude themselves. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you felt unworthy of inclusion? Where you felt like, I shouldn't be here. Like, for instance, has anyone ever invited you to, like, a birthday party or, or something, you know, like that afternoon at their house? And you get there and you realize, oh, it was a, oh, this is a family party, <laughs> you know? And, like, your friend sold it to you. Like, no, people will be there, you know? But you get there and you're like, oh, no, they're celebrating this guy's night. This is, like, their great-grandfather's party. <laughs> and he's, like, a 95-year-old World War II vet. And you're the only one that's clearly not family there. Clearly. <laughs> You know, and like your friends sold you a lie, you know, and then and like the mom looks like, oh, you're here. And they look, you know, at, at the at your friend that brought you like, we're, no, we're, we were expecting you. Let me make up a plate. <laughs> you just feel like so nervous, like, no, nah, I'm not going to eat. You know, I, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> or you walk into like a really swanky, you know, like restaurant and you, you're like underdressed, you came from the beach and you look around. Yeah, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> maybe, maybe you felt that way about church. Maybe the first time you came, or maybe you feel that way today, where you come to God's house, and you look around, and you're like, I, I, I don't know if I fit in with these guys. I don't know what's, the music is unlike anything I've ever heard. This guy keeps bumping me when he's raising his hands. You know, I heard of one person that came to church like multiple weeks in a row, came, parked their car, sat in their car in service, and then left. <laughs> they would never got out of their car because they were so nervous about coming to church. You know, we've all been in that situation where we just feel like I, I shouldn't be here. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I fit in, you know, maybe at crew, you know, and, and everyone's telling like church jokes and spitting Bible verses. And you're like. I don't, <laughs> that shouldn't be here. This is exactly the place we find Peter. He is unsure, to say the least, about his position with the other disciples. He's unsure about his invitation. If, 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 if he is still even considered a disciple, should he be in the upper room? I mean, when Jesus went to the cross, Judas, who betrayed him, he took his own life. And John, John went to the foot of the cross. And Peter, he's almost at a crossroads. He's in the middle. He denied him. So what does Peter do? What's his reaction? Who is he? He's not Judas, but he's definitely not John. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what his position is. doesn't know if he's accepted. He doesn't know if he's acceptable. He's unsure of whether or not God loves him. God knows him. God forgives him. Have you ever been in this place? Maybe you feel this way today. 
where you're unsure of God's attitude towards you. Is God angry? Is he vengeful? Maybe you feel like I haven't heard his voice in a few days, a few months, a few years. I haven't felt his presence. So am I out? Am I no longer called? Am I no longer a disciple? I'm not who I was. I, 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 I did wrong. I screwed up. I messed up. So, so am I not included anymore? It's in this situation that we find Peter, and it's in this situation that God sends his angel, which is a messenger, because God's got a message for those that feel unworthy of inclusion. Just two words, but they're powerful. Just two words, but they mean the whole world for those who are unsure. God sends his messenger to the women disciples who see the empty tomb, and he says, go tell his disciples and Peter. Don't forget Peter. What's God doing? He's including him. When Peter would exclude himself, God says, no, 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 no. You're not getting out that easy. I put three and a half years into you, buddy. You just chopped that guy's ear off. I had to, I had to rescue you from jail. You're not getting out of it that easy. Tell the angel, don't forget Peter. Because the truth is, if it's left up to us, we don't even need anyone else to say it. We'll disqualify ourselves. You know, like, I don't need the haters to say anything. I got enough haters in my own head. I don't need for you to say, well, someone said something negative about me. Just one? I got tons of, I got tons of voices saying negative things. No, no, we'll, we'll exclude ourselves. And, you know, we'll always exclude ourselves many times when we're closest to God. You know, on the morning of his resurrection, that's where, that's where Peter's at his lowest. You know, have you ever noticed that it's like right when you're going to come to church, right when you're beginning to make a change, that's where those voices get loud. That's when the world seems to get darker. That's where the enemy kicks into overdrive because he knows the dawn is coming. And so the most difficult part of the fight is right before the dawn. The enemy doubles down. That must have been where Peter was because his denial was complete. When you do something three times in the Old Testament, it means it's definitive. It's definitive. Three times, it was definitive. He's gone. He's denied. It's over. But you know, with God, even when it's over, it's still not over. He's the God of resurrections. He's the God of second chances. And so those two words, they, they jump out to me, and I hope to you, because to me, they, they hold the whole of the gospel in those two words, and Peter. If you were to take those two words and put it under a microscope and look at it, you would see from Genesis to Revelation, you would see God's grace, you'd see God's personal love, you'd see God's forgiveness, you'd see it all just in those two words. In fact, in fact, if you look at those words, you almost see the echo of the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell, disqualified themselves, and hid themselves from the voice of God. What do we find God doing but searching for them and calling out, Adam, where are you? Well, now here we are thousands of years later, and God's still in the garden, and he's still calling his son and Peter. Like, like God pursues his children. 
Because God sees Peter's distress. God's not foreign and God is not far. He's close and God is perceptive. God sees for three days, he sees Peter being overwhelmed with guilt and shame. You know, I think sometimes we think that the guilt and shame comes from God. That's not true. The Bible says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. The guilt and shame comes from our own actions. And they come from the, the doors that we open. And can you imagine the kind of door that you would open to the enemy on betraying Jesus, denying Jesus, three times with the power of your words on the night of the crucifixion? Can you imagine what kind of door that would open to guilt and shame? I feel for Peter because he has to endure three days of silence from God, and he's in his own head. But the good news is God sees Peter even in his distress. You might think that God only sees you when you're doing good. God only sees you when you're reading the word, when you're at church, when someone flips you off when you're driving and you say, bless you. My child, go with God. But that's not true. God sees you when you are in your most desperate, difficult, frustrated, and forgotten situations. That's who God searches for. He, he is the one that looks for the prodigal. He is the Samaritan that comes down to the broken man. He is the one that seeks and saves the lost. He makes them the found, but he searches for the lost. And so he sees Peter, and he sees us in three days of guilt, shame, and distance. And the reality is we are Peter. Peter's not the only one that's in this situation. You've been in this situation and you might find yourself in this situation again. Where you've made foolish mistakes, where, where, you've, where you've sinned against God, where you've justified yourself in your sin, where you've denied truth. Because you might say, well, I've never denied God. <laughs> never denied God. But I've denied truth. I've justified living in the lie. I've excused my own sin. The, the reality is when you deny truth, you deny God. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. If you deny truth, you deny God. And you open the door then to destruction. And that is what is happening in society right now. The more we deny truth, the more we rage against God. And we open the door of the curse over our society. And so we've all found ourselves in the place of Peter. The Bible said all have sinned and all have fallen. Fallen way short of God's standard, of God's glory. We're Peter. We denied. We ran. We hid. We've grown distant. We've allowed the lies to come over us and re-identify who we are. But here's the good news and here's the gospel, that God saw us in our distress. God pursued Peter. God will pursue you. God died on the cross that you might be seen. Grace, when God said forgive them, that includes Peter. When God said forgive them from the cross, that includes you and that includes me. And here's the best news of all. God invites us back towards himself. Go tell the disciples and Peter. That's an invitation. That is inclusion. The gospel is an invitation back to relationship with God. 
back to relationship. So even if you've been a long way off from God for a long time, God calls you back to relationship. But even if you made a mistake and it's only been three days, God calls you back today. Come back. I'm calling you by name. He invites us back into relationship. Last week, we read together the most famous verse in the world, John 3.16. But I want to show you the verse right after John 3.16. John 3.17 says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's mission and mandate is not condemnation. It is not for you and I to be stuck in desperation. God does not want us to be distanced from him. No, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn, though he could have. He sent his son to redeem. So, God, through his invitation, includes the ones who would seek to exclude themselves. He comes after us. He finds us. Let me put it this way. He seeks the struggling. The struggling. You might think, well, I don't know if I could be accepted by God. I don't know if I could walk towards him. I don't know if he'd come after me because I'm, I'm still struggling with addiction. I'm still struggling with alcohol. I'm still struggling with these substances. I want you to know God is seeking you. He's coming after you. And if you would just keep drawing near to him, he'll keep drawing near to you. The substance is not enough to stop God from getting to you. He's seeking you even in your struggle. You might think, well, I don't know if I could be saved because I still struggle in my mind. I struggle with depression or I struggle with anxiety. And understand that is the proper way to phrase it. That you struggle with it. You are not identified by it. You are not anxious. You are not depressed. You're struggling with it. But you're getting stronger. You're going to win this fight. You're wrestling, but you're going to win. You're going to overcome. It might be one day at the altar. It might be one course of freedom course. It might be one time in freedom crew. It might be one year in freedom crew. It might be 10 years in following God, but you got to understand this, that God is seeking those who are struggling and he's going to draw you out and walk with you through that struggle. And God is a God of complete and total restoration. So if you're struggling in your mind, he's seeking you. He's coming after you. And even if you're struggling with sin, you feel like I'm stuck, or I still love this sin. I still love this lifestyle. And I love God too, but I'm, I'm wavering. Between two lands, between two gods, I'm stuck. I want you to know God is seeking you even in that stuck place. He's loving you. He's searching for you. In fact, if you were able even to confess that love of sin to God, that would be a good start for God to come in and show his love, which is far greater than that love. And God can love you out of that broken place love you out of that stuck place. 
Peter was stuck. He was struggling. He couldn't get to God. God had to get to him. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. God's character is consistent. He continually comes for his children. Alexander Pope, the great Enlightenment poet, said to err is human, but to forgive, that's divine. God is a forgiving God. He is a God that comes close, that seeks and saves his loss. So, so first thing he has the angels say is go tell his disciples where Jesus is going to be. Tell his disciples that he is risen and Peter. He not only includes him, well, you know, note this, he calls him by name. I want you to know God remembers you today. God calls you, he knows you, he remembers you today. You might be feel written off or forgotten, but the truth is he knows you better than you know yourself. You are on the forefront of God's mind and he remembers you. It's so amazing that Peter refused to even say the name of Jesus when he was denying him. He was cursing, calling down curses. Because the truth is, that's what happens when you deny God. Calling down curses. And he was filled with fear. And he was like a, a cornered animal lashing out. You remember what he said? He said, I don't even know the man. Well, before that, he called him master, savior, king. Now he won't even use his name. He won't even say Jesus. He turns his back, says, I don't even know that man. Diminishes who Jesus is. But God shows up three days later and says, but I know you. Call the disciples and Peter. You wouldn't use my name, but I'm going to use your name. You diminish me, but I'm going to lift you up. You distance, but I'm coming close. And Peter. And I want you to know, you could put your name in there. Because God says, I'm coming for you. I'm calling you, and I've not forgotten you. I remember you. I'm for you. I am not against you. That's who our God is. Peter's failure did not cause God to forget him, and your failure does not cause God to forget you. He remembers you, and he calls you by your name. This is what God says through the prophet Isaiah. He says, fear not. For I have redeemed you and I have called you by name. You're mine. You're mine. See, the enemy wanted to acquire Peter. He got Judas and he wanted Peter too. But God says, don't, don't be afraid. I've already set this thing up. The truth is the enemy is coming for you. He has a strategy and a game plan. He's coming for your children. He's coming for your mind. He's coming for your marriage. He's coming for your family. But there is a God that is greater. And he says, take heart. Be not afraid. I have overcome the world. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. The, the resurrection is God reclaiming his own. God shows back up and says, Satan, you had him for three days. You almost got him there, but I'm back. And I'm in charge, and I've got the authority. And the truth is, the enemy will trip you up in life. Trials, temptations, tribulations, and your own screw-ups will trip you up in life. But the empty tomb pro proclaims that God's redemption power is greater than your failure. That God does not leave you in your disgrace. 
That's not God. God redeems you in your disgrace. He lifts you up from the miry clay. He lifts you up out of your foolishness. The resurrection is God's announcement to everyone. I'm back and I'm here to defeat and take back what the enemy has stolen. Can you imagine what Peter's reaction would have been? After three days of wallowing in self-pity and And feeling lost, can you imagine what would have happened when Peter heard the woman disciples tell him that that the angel said his name? Can you imagine? They come up to the upper room and all the disciples there, they're filled with fear, filled with depression, darkened room. And, and, And the women disciples begin to talk about what they experienced. They said, and the angel told us to tell you that he's going to be in Galilee. Oh, and they they said Tell his disciples and Peter. You could see Peter in the corner look up. Wait, they actually said that? Yeah. Yeah, they said, tell his disciples, and they said, and Peter. Peter goes, they said that part. You're not just adding that. They said, and Peter. Yeah. Yeah, they said, and Peter. What was the look on their face? Like, like, was it good? Was it positive? And the women are like, I don't know. We were afraid. He looked like lightning. We, we were, I was looking at the dirt. I was nervous. Yeah, have you ever tried to get more information from someone than they have to give, you know? I could just see Peter doing that. Like, like all right, um, well, like, like did, he, did he say it a certain way? Was it like, and Peter, you know? Or was it like, and Peter, you know? Like, how was, come on, you know you've done that, you know, where you're like, I'm looking for the, I'm, I just need a word from God. You know, I just, I just, I mean, come on, be honest. You've looked at fortune cookies looking for a word from God. You know, like the delivery guy shows up. He's like, third time today. You're like, I just, I need a word. Give me the fortune cookies. <laughs> you shall be prospered. What are my numbers? Seven, seven, six. Oh, close. <laughs> come on. Let's not pretend we haven't been in this situation with Peter where we're desperate come to church, sing any song. I don't care what song you sing. Who's preaching? I don't care. I just need something from God. I just need a touch from God. You know, so like when you're, when you really, really need forgiveness, anything that's touched by God will do. It's only when we're religious that nothing's good enough. But when we really need forgiveness, anything will do. I, I could just see Peter reaction like wow they, they, he said my name I could almost even see Peter saying like so like, what should I do you ever ask someone what you should do and they're like I don't know like, I know exactly what you knew they just said and Peter you know <laughs> go find God <laughs> have you ever been so desperate just one word from God has kept you going just one revelation from God has been enough to get you through a season. But you just hold on to it. You write it on your mirror. You put it in your wallet. You put it on your Bible. You bring it back up where, where it's like it's just it's like a buoy in the sea of uncertainty and you're holding on to this one word from God. This was Peter. Wait, he, he said my name? He hasn't forgotten me. He's called me. I want you to know God does not forget people. 
God forgives people. And God does not forget his people. God pursues his people. He comes after you even when you certainly do not deserve the attention. And I want to encourage you today with this truth that Jesus told Peter that he forgave him before Peter even sinned. Peter, Peter hasn't even done it yet. And Jesus told Peter what he's going to do. And then he still did it. You would think at that point you could avoid the situation. But like God could tell you what you're going to do and you'd be like, Pff. and like three days later, you're like, did, did God tell me not to go over there? Like when God tells to Cain, like, hey, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Shape up. And Cain's like, well, well I'll, let's go to the field. Let's see what happens. <laughs> like, we're so forgetful. You know, Jesus said to Peter, you are going to deny me three times. Peter's like, not me. And then Jesus says, all right, but when you do. Uh, <laughs> I want you to know that I love you, that I've forgiven you, and that I got your back. He did this at, at, at the upper room. What's God saying? God's saying, my forgiveness is so great. It covers your sins before you even engage in them. That's how overwhelming and personal his grace is. Jesus says this at the Last Supper, speaking to Simon, Simon Peter, Simon, behold. He says, Satan demanded to have you. Satan's coming for you that he might sift you like wheat. And the reality is, if you follow Jesus, you will go through times of sifting. You'll go through times of tribulation where God will shake you up. And God will allow even the enemy to shake you up. God loved Job, but Job had to go through some horrific trials. It didn't mean that God didn't love Job. It was actually because Job was God's guy that the enemy targeted him. I want you to know some of the reasons that the enemy is attacking you is because of who you remind him of, whose you are. If you were of the, the devils, he wouldn't, he wouldn't attack you. He already owns you. No, he's coming for that which he does not yet have. And so even the enemy will come at you, but God says, but I'll use even spiritual attacks, trials, tribulations, persecutions, and difficulties to sift you. And sifting means separating. I'm going to separate the junk out of your life. I'm going to separate the wrong convictions. I'm going to separate the wrong ideas. I'm, I'm going to separate anything that's not of me. I'm getting it out. It's a picture of a wheat, the wheat from the chaff. One is nourishment. One is life. One is, is, is useless. And, and God says, I, I'm going to use even the trials to sift you. And, you know, the truth is, if you've been coming to this church, if you've been going, going to church at all for the last two years, you have been sifted through these trials and these tribulations, but not to a negative for your benefit and for your strength. And here's God's promise. Through the sifting, God says, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you being here today is proof that your faith has not yet failed. And the God of grace intercedes for you. The Bible says that we don't have a high priest that can't empathize with us, but we have one that stands before the throne of God in eternity and continually intercedes for his people. In other words, Jesus is praying for you right now in eternity. You might say, well, no one's encouraging me. No one's praying for me. Nobody's got my back. God is in heaven 
in eternity, and he is standing in the gap for you. He is praying for you, interceding for you, and encouraging you from eternity. He stands between God and you, and he keeps bringing you together. And one day he'll bring you together for all eternity in permanence. But this is what God did for Peter. This is what God does for you. And then Jesus goes on and says, and when you've turned again, when? Come on, God's good. Not if, not possibly, not hopefully. He says, no, when? Because when God's coming for you, he's unstoppable. When you've turned again, strengthen your brothers. Wow. He's, he's, re, he's reapplying Peter's call of leadership over his life. He's saying your mistake does not, does not define or identify you. I do. So even though you were weak, when you come back, get back up. Come on, be strong again. Apply yourself again. Lead again. It's very interesting that it seems like Jesus is saying that to the one that would be the weakest out of all of them. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to speak to who you really are and who I made you to be. In other words, God doesn't just call your name. God remembers your calling. And God tells you who you are. Even if you feel weak, even if you acted weak, God says, when I'm going to bring you back, I'm going to make you strong. And I'm going to have that strength come out of you. And it's going to help those around you because God is for you. Can you say amen? amen? The amazing ramifications of this, the revelation of this, that God didn't forget Peter, doesn't end when the angel speaks to the woman. The Bible tells us in the book of Luke what happens after that. They come home. They go to the upper room. And they tell all of the disciples what had happened, that they had gone to the tomb, that it's empty. And you know what the disciples did? They dismissed it. They, they didn't even believe them. The whole group of disciples, they actually started kind of making fun of them. They, they dismissed it as nonsense. Idle tales. You guys are all hysterical. Calm down. It's not real. They dismissed them. The Bible says except for one. But Peter... The Bible says, rose up and ran to the empty tomb. Why? Because he had a specific call. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to do what everyone else is doing. I've got my own revelation. I've heard my own name called. I'm not going to throw my lot in with what everyone else is doing. I'm desperate for God. You do what you're going to do, but I'm going to believe and I'm going to hope. And one word from God, know this, one word from God will lift you up. The Bible says he rose up. For three days, he's been down. For three days, he's been negative. For three days, he's been shamed. But at one word from God, he begins to rise up. I want you to know, God will rise your faith up. He'll rise your life up. He'll rise your mind up. He will raise you up from the dead. The resurrection means we all get to rise. Peter says, I'm done staying down here. All the other disciples are like, what? Come on. We all agree. We're not going to do anything. Peter says, I don't agree. I need God. Catch up with me if you want. I need God. 
I want you to know you can never crowdsource your decisions from everyone else around you. When you need God, you got to run for God. Peter says, he remembered me, so I'm running to him. And he ran towards the empty tomb. And, And isn't this what Christianity is? It's running towards the resurrection. It's running towards the empty tomb. This is what Christianity is all about. This is what the living the life of Christianity is all about. Paul says this. He says, he says I'm running the race, and I'm going to finish well. This isn't about just one moment. This is about a lifestyle of I'm running towards Jesus. Hey, he came towards me, and he called me. Now I'm running towards Jesus. And there might be moments where you stumble, where you fall. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he rises again And again, I'm here to encourage you today. Keep running towards Jesus. Keep pushing towards faith. Keep clawing your way towards heaven. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let anything keep you down. And and, and even if everyone around you seems apathetic, I'm not going to make my decision based off you. I'm desperate, and he's called me. So I'm going to answer his call. How many people are desperate for the call of God? And say right now, Lord, we're going to respond with our life. God called my name. I'm going to rise out of sin. I'm going to run towards resurrection. The great author, Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan, says this. Great line. He says, they that will have heaven, they must run for it. Because the devil, the law, sin, and death, and hell follows them. If you want heaven, you got to run. You gotta reach. You gotta push, and God's calling you. You have to determine if there's just a chance that I can be redeemed. I'm running for it. God's opened the way. For all of those that would seek to exclude themselves, God's opened the way. He sent out the invitation. He calls you by name, and He says, My son, my daughter, come after me. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.